So this red wine is um, our, it's our baby. All of them are, but this one we entered into the New York International Wine Competition. We wanted to do a blind study. We wanted to see how it tastes without telling people what we're doing or our technology. So we, we sent it in with a blank label and we won double gold medal. Wow. So it definitely does perform. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Wine and More podcast. I'm your host, Howard Fletcher. I'm a real estate advisor with Engel and & Volkers and I help people buy and sell real estate in the DC metro area, better known as the DMV. And today I'm going to introduce you to a process of winemaking that I didn't know existed until a few months ago. My girlfriend Joan and I were out doing some exploring a few Saturdays back and I think we were, we were with some past clients of mine who are now friends down at a vineyard in Aldi, Virginia. And on the way back home, we stopped by a local wine shop that just so happened to be hosting a tasting that day. I know, great timing, am I right? Anyway, to make a way too long story short, we ended up meeting Max Bachman. He was offering tastings and educating the wine shoppers about his product, Sonar Wine. That's wine that has been infused with music during its fermentation. Now he can do a much better job of explaining it than I. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Maximilian Bachman and his business partner, Darcy Miranda. Now this was recorded at the Bethesda Salt Cave, which is a whole separate episode that's gonna come in a few weeks. But let me just say that it was one of the most interesting places that I have ever staged an interview. So stick around. This is going to be a good one. This is episode two, Sonar Wines. The hills are alive with the sound of Zweigelt. All right. Well, I'm here with Maximilian Bachman. Thank you. He is the uh, president or owner. what is your, yeah, you're the owner. So I'm the owner of Sonar Wines America, whereas uh, my father, who created the whole method that we use today for our wines, is the sole proprietor for the Sonar Wines brand in in Europe. So he has the uh, European version of it, whereas myself, I handle the U.S. version. So he created this process? He did. So he actually, uh, he's the astronomer, but also played the uh, French horn for the Philharmonic Opera in Austria-Vienna for about 23 years. Uh, my grandmother is also very musically inclined. She's one of the directors still to this day of the Austrian Opera and uh, Philharmonic Opera in, in uh, Vienna. And he put his love with uh, food and wine together and decided to why not change the wine from the inside instead of the outside. Wow. He's a real Renaissance man. Yeah, Sounds yeah. like it. Tell me the process of how it went from your father's brainchild to his business in Europe, Austria, I'm assuming is where it started, yeah. over here in Bethesda. So my, my dad actually started this business about eight about eight years ago. I, yeah, roughly eight years ago. Um, he you know created the invention, created the speaker. You know worked with a whole bunch of uh, vintners who he contracted with in in Europe. Uh, we now work with four different vintners, and each one provides a you know different grape and a different song applied to that particular grape. So he started over there. The European market is not really like it is here in the U.S. Right. So. You can only go so far, and then it falls off, and then you have to try source, you know, sales otherwise, you know, in different countries. So he decided to, given that I'm already here, 
approach me and ask me, you know, hey, is this something that you wanted to do? I see it being a big, big help here in the U.S. and, you know, something niche that would take off. And uh, that's pretty much it. And then I started Googling on how to start a wine company, start a company in general, how to apply for all the permits, which took me about a year and a half to do. And from then, we uh, got everything approved and just started uh, started going slow and steady. So before we get to the wines, uh, what is the process? Tell us what is Sonar Wine. Sonar Wine is like sonar and, you know, in a submarine. We work with vibrations to trickle through a liquid mass. So our speaker itself, engineered by my father, sits at the bottom of the fermentation tank. So we actually drill it into our tanks. Some of our tanks are, you know, three meters high. Some are 11 meters high. Um, our process is to, depending on the grape, use vibrations and structure the highs and the lows to go from the top to the bottom of the actual tank itself. So to circulate the yeast, keeping it alive a lot longer, about 30% longer. Given that we can use and uh, keep the yeast alive a lot longer, we also in turn use less sulfates because we keep the original base alive longer. Normally speaking, if you would picture it as a um, fish tank, for instance, when you add the food to the top, it trickles down to the bottom. If the fish don't eat it, whatever's at the bottom has gone to waste. So same thing with yeast. You add it to the top over time, trickles down, dies at the bottom. Our speaker pushes that bottom yeast that trickles down back to the top and helps it circulate again with the fermentation process. So we also accelerate the whole alcohol process uh, by creating, you know, all our wines within a six to nine week process. So our generations, or well, the vendors' generations of wine that they actually harvest every single year, we take their exact same must, so the wine juice that they would harvest every year, take a, took another tank and just you know separated half the tank into this new tank, and then applied our process to it to see if whatever song we pick would actually change the taste of the wine from start to finish, you know, before and after. So what are the wines that you use now? Well, yeah, so all of our wines at the moment, we uh, we source from Austria, Vienna. So from the native Österreich, you know, Kamtal region, Weintal region, um, pretty much just, you know, native to Austria, Vienna himself. So the ones that we have at the moment are Zweigelt, which is a red red wine. Uh, we have Grüneveltliner, which is a white wine, and then Chardonnay and Riesling, which of course are white wines as well. But they're different to your general U.S.-based wines, given that, you know, it's somewhat frowned upon to add any preservatives, add any types of sugars, you know, just add anything to your wine that in turn will make it unhealthy. Europeans are very, you know, very big on watching their health, trying to be as healthy as possible, even though they drink a lot of alcohol. So the idea is to create a wine that is, you know, more organic in turn that we use less sulfate and in turn have half the sugar content that a general wine would have. So if you take some Chardonnay, let's, let's talk about grapes here. If you took some Virginia grapes, some Chardonnay, and press them, get the juice, and put them in steel, the, the normal uh, winemaker would put them sure. in steel, and then maybe finish them off in oak. Well, we only use steel. So our process is steel from start to beginning. Okay, well, well then let's, let's, let's try to compare apples and apples. Yeah, then. They put it in steel, and they let it stay there, what, nine months, mm -hmm. a well, year? Well, depends, yeah. Depends. Say, let's use, in this case, nine months to a year. Got it. What would your process be? How long would that take with the infusion of the sound? It, it all goes back to, what, again, what type of grape you use. So if we're using a grape that has a lot more sugar in its general base, it's going to be harder for the vibrations to circulate throughout the wine itself just because the viscosity level is a lot thicker. The normal fermentation process would take anywhere between six months to a year. 
our process accelerates that a tad bit, lowers it, but also changes the fermentation process to anywhere between six to nine weeks. So okay. we cut it roughly in half. Okay. So like when your father, and probably still to this day, trying to perfect this process, sure. uh, other than the time, I guess, you mentioned the choice of music. Mm-hmm. Right. So he would have a, ta- a tank or... I guess a tank is the best way to call it instead of in a barrel, right? Yeah. A, a tank with uh, some chamber music in it, say, and then a tank with the who in it. Right. And he would see which one worked best for what he was trying to create as far as what taste he was trying to get from that wine. Right. So each, each song would actually, if we chose one wine, uh, the same wine, for instance, like a Riesling, and chose two different songs each song would per, would you know provide a different completely different taste to the actual outcome okay. of it so at the end of the day um, it it all varies i mean you can get some songs that unfortunately don't mix well you can't just take a rock song and throw it in with a red wine and just hope for the best and just expect it to work out it you know there's a there's a testing process you know throughout the whole fermentation process we taste it you know every month we taste a sip see how it's working out Sometimes it will reach, you know, the end goal a lot faster than we had anticipated. Sometimes it will take a little longer. But the general norm is about six to nine weeks. Have you reached a formula where now you use a particular song or artist or whatever, or do you offer a variety? So we're, we're in the starting process of everything at the moment. The company's been around for, you know, in European basis for a couple, you know, a very long time, eight years. Um, over that eight-year span, we've only been able to contract with artists, uh, a few artists, given that we have to, you know, source the artist, ask them for permission to use their songs, and you know, with royalties. So we, we work with them only solely based because they've given us the rights to their song. We don't take any, any dollar or any cent from the actual download downloading process or the purchasing of the songs, just because it is their music, they worked hard for it, we want to help them, you know, support them. And that creates the cross-branding, cross-promotion aspect of the bottle and the artist. The, um, the artists themselves also help with marketing. However, in terms of your question about, you know, the different songs and the different artists, I haven't yet been able to use other songs just to create the wines, we've tested them just on example, you know, by our own self, you know, playing a different song, whether it's Jay-Z, whether it's you know, Taylor Swift, and it's it's done different things. So I can't say that, you know, Bon Jovi or Taylor Swift are going to create a similar outcome when it comes to a red wine or a white wine. It, you know, it all just has to be put into play and we have to try it out first. Yeah. One would think it would be a different outcome. Well, I'd like I, to I, think I would, so. I would like to think so myself, too. <laughs> so what do we have here? We have something we've poured here. I think Darcy so just poured us yeah, the Gruner. So the Gruner is, a native, again, that native Austrian grape. It's grown in uh, native Österreich, or at least ours is. Um, our Baumgartner is our vintner who actually grows it. He's been growing for, I believe, seven generations. Um, it's a you know, smooth white wine. There's a little to, you know, very smooth tannins, a little acidity. It goes well with any types of, you know, seafood, chicken, white meats. It also goes well with pastas, too. Now, I'm going to try something that I have not, even though I've interviewed a lot of winemakers, I don't do tastings on air, usually. It's, it's, it's mainly because my palate is terrible, and I could not write tasting the only, notes. The only way you're supposed to you know, increase the palate or learn is to mean Oh, absolutely. Learn. No, no. I can tell a well-constructed wine. It's just that, you know, I, you know, some people are like, oh, that's lead pencil and a little bit of uh, yeah, I've noticed, I've olive. Met, I've, and met, I've met a few individuals those, who are very, very, very knowledgeable yeah. about it all. Okay. Yeah, I am I am not good at that. So when we met, you did sort of a little taste test when right. we were in Vienna yes. before. 
and you had wine that was just uh, fermented during, with a yeah, normal so the regular, process. Regular process as they were if they were in a cellar by themselves. Right, and then we had the wine that had been infused with some some music. Correct. Yes. So today, though, we're just going to be tasting the music wines. Sure. So if I remember correctly, the one you tasted the before and after would have been our Riesling, who is uh, actually grown by a gentleman named Sebastian Anger. So he's one of our vintners that solely grows the you know Riesling version of it, where Bernard Cornhair does the uh, Chardonnay, and then Baumgartner does our Riesling and our Zweigel. And he makes wine tradition the traditional way as well, correct? Yes. So they're they're all. I mean, these guys are farmers. They're not like your city slickers. They don't even go into the city. These guys stay on their land. They harvest every single year like clockwork. They try not to use any type of machinery, any type of, you know, outside source things. Everything's cut by hand just because you don't want any outside bacteria, any outside flavoring factors to come into play. We want what's grown and what's harvested and put in the bottle at the end of our fermentation process with the speaker to be solely the flavor from the grape. This is very clean. It is. It is. It's very crisp. If you taste, I think uh, you'll taste a little bit of a carbonated feel too. And that would be much different than or different from the the regular one. Regular, absolutely. The reason I asked you about these vintners uh, is because I wanted to know if they do uh, produce the wine the normal, the traditional way. What do they think about the wine that comes out of the sonar process? Uh, Baumgartner himself, he uh, is a big fan of our process. Only because he's taken wines that, you know, over the years that we've, you know, tried to perfect this process, he's taken wines that have absolutely just flopped, you know, and it, in turn, this is how we actually, you know, approached him to it. He's, we said, give us the wines that, you know, did not work out for you. Let's apply our process to it and see how it changes. And the first batch uh, that we actually used was the Gruner, which is the one you're tasting now. Mm-hmm. And it actually changed the taste completely, whereas he called us back and said, this is amazing. I've never actually tried a Gruner that tasted this way, especially one that I have grown myself. Wow. So that, that created the whole, you know, journey, I guess, for our journey behind it all. How long does it take, uh, real quick on the Gruner, this is probably six to nine weeks on the sonar. Right. How long would it take for him to, uh, for it to be in the... The regular phase, the regular bottle. Keep in mind that from start to finish, we all we've done is we've just taken a separate container and applied our speaker. So his version and our version last the same same period of time. It normally takes about six months fermentation wise. Yeah, six six months normally fermentation. Uh, When we install our speaker again, we accelerate the fermentation process, accelerate the you know the alcohol creating process. So we can sometimes cut it down in half, so around about three months time. So so that's six weeks yeah so six to nine weeks right about roughly is the general norm for his wines and our wines only now because he's also using our speakers for his own wines too wow yeah so he's adapted our process and sells it as you know his own gruner too in austria vienna which is you know part of the agreements that we've had with all of them is that we help them better their own wines to boost their own sales too not just for ourselves. You know, Sonar Wines grows every single day here in the U.S. and in Europe. It's um, it's hard to sell alcohol to a store, or even a chain, even if well, because it you know you buy a bottle for three euros, four euros, compared to here where you spend twenty to eighty dollars on a bottle of wine that tastes the same. Right. So it all varies in factor. The direct sales are growing well. We have uh, 
M Price, which is one of the larger chains in uh, it's kind of grocery store in Europe. Uh, we have our wines filtering through their shelves as well, but that's pretty much where it stopped in Europe. Uh, we we've now more so focused on the U.S. pretty much solely. The Austrian government is also grows their own wine, but they have now contracted with us to make us the sole importers of the city's wine. So we're using the city's grapes to create sonicated versions, which we are going to actually bring in for the New York Opera Ball and on the 1st of Feb this year. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to be using their grapes. They're going to be actually bringing out another Grüneveldliner just because it's a native grape to the Austrian region. And we're going to be using uh, Johann Strauss, who is a very, very old classic, classic man. So Alice Walze is uh, the song that we've used or the place that we've used for their Gruner. And again, it's going to be coming in the 1st of February, hopefully you know, in our pipeline here in the U.S. by the end of Feb as well. Uh, we've just contracted now with uh, another artist, Dion Todd, who is a, a DJ slash club music style. He's been around for about 20, 25 years. Uh, but now just released his first single again in a long time, which is now making waves across Canada. And uh, it's going to be featured here in the radio soon. Can't say when, but it will be around pretty, pretty soon. And he's going to be coming out with a rosé bottle, sorry. He, we're, fe- gonna... yeah, we're featuring the Dion Todd bottle as the rosé feature. I was going to say, because I would think that the character of some wines sort of dictate yeah, what yeah. music you match with them. True. True. Yeah. yeah. So rosé, given it's a you know a summery drive, a spring drive wine, you know people like to drink it in a not so much frigid cold that we experience here with the snow, but there uh, it's it's an easy smooth wine. Plus you know people like sweet, and our process again brings out the sweetness from the grape, given that we can't add, add any sugar to it. So what is this that we have poured now? This is a Chardonnay. Okay. So now before you drink it, okay, keep in mind if you've tasted a, a U.S. based or you know wine Chardonnay coming from the U.S how it tastes then, but then also compare it to that one. See how the sugars taste compared to how sweet that one is. You'll notice that it's not as sweet, but it's definitely more smooth. No, it definitely is. It is. Um, and this is all in steel. All steel. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. We use stain. Uh, Austrians are very big on stainless steel right. for, you know, bacteria-wise, for any types of additives. I mean, when you throw stuff in barrels, those barrels sit at the bottom of a cellar in a basement for, for a long time, right? There's bacteria everywhere whether they say you know nothing comes in contact or not you know that's just your own perception of yeah. what's clean or not in the uh, marketing over here uh, what what kind of success have you had and um, where can people find your wines if they're interested in them so at the moment we're featured in 16 stores across the DMV whether it's Maryland DC Virginia on our website sonarwinesamerica.com there's a store locator where you can find the store closest to you uh, marketing wise we're brand new so we're jumping you know straight into it whether it's social media Instagram Facebook we boost a lot of pe- uh, posts that we post out to gain recognition not only for ourselves but also for the stores themselves so every store that we land and you know get featured in we help them you know just boost our wines but also boost their storefront to help you know bring them business as well at the end of the day we're not all this you know in this for just ourselves we're in this as a community product you know we're in this to bring an exclusivity to the dmv um we're going to be hopefully uh featured on the news soon uh with a bunch of other news outlets that we're slowly talking uh talking to to set up times to have interviews uh the european version we've been 
I think we've had about 129 articles written about the Cerner wines in, in Europe when my dad first started it. Um, those also include Munchies and Vice, you know, uh, uh, online, their TV shows too. But those all date back to, I want to say 2013. So that's about five years ago. So um, at the moment, we have, we have marketing out there. Not as much as what I would like, of course. It's a We're, full-time job. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it is a full-time job. Yeah. and yeah. Hopefully this will help you a little bit. Well, I hope so, too. But, uh, you know, Darcy and myself, Darcy being my business partner, we, we do everything ourselves from the sales to the marketing to, you know, knocking everybody's doors, you know, reaching out to everybody. Um, some people are nice. Some people aren't, aren't as nice. But uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah, wow. So what is what is this? I've Darcy just poured it off there. This is our Riesling, and this is made with this uh, lovely violinist. Her name is Henriette. She's right now traveling the world playing her violin. She was just in China like a week ago. Right. So all all our music is pretty much you know string architect. It's orchestra, yeah, orchestra stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's old school Austrian. The Chardonnay is actually the first group setting that we use to see if we can use multiple melodies and multiple voices. Uh, to create, you know, change of taste during the fermentation process. Whereas the, you know, the uh, Rosen Princess, which is the Zweigelt and the Gruner, along with the Henriette, is solely one person playing an instrument, one person singing. Yeah, so it's a solo artist, not, you know, multiple melodies all at once. Um, Tell me a little bit about the chemical process uh, or the chemistry that goes along with infusing the wine with this music. So, again, we keep the yeast alive. So the yeast being alive, you picture it like a food processor. We really squeeze out the flavoring in the grape from the grape itself. During this process, we've noticed that it our system creates a lot of microoxidization. This allows you know that pulling the pulling of the flavor from the grape, but also changes the chemical structure of it from your general ethanol base of wine to a glycerin style of the alcohol. This itself will help with uh, you know coating the the glass a lot longer coating your palate longer too so every sip generally lasts you know three four five minutes longer than your average sip so when you you know take a sip and you eat your food as well uh the the oxidization will also pull flavoring from the food itself too so you get to really enjoy the wine but also your food base as well kind of great food pairing options too for all the wines um, on the back of our bottles as well, you know, given that it's a different style of alcohol, we have, you know, high caring options to, you know, how much air to give it, how much time to let it sit, you know, open too. Because as you open a wine, as you put it in the, a glass, you're generally supposed to give it a good 5-10 minutes because over those 5-10 minutes is when the full flavoring actually becomes present. You know, cracking open a bottle and chugging it from the bottle, it may be great and may get you really drunk fast, but doesn't really provide the flavor needed to actually enjoy the money that you just spent on a delicious bottle of wine. And the same goes for your five, six dollar, you know, nine dollar wines too. Give it air, let it taste, you know, taste it from the start, taste it 10 minutes later and see the difference. You'll probably notice that 10 minutes later, it's going to taste 10 times better. This, I have to say, Riesling for me is now there's a range obviously out there of different types, but you know, it's right on the cusp of dessert wine for me. I mean, I find it that sweet. This one is not that at all. Um, it it is sweet. I mean, it does. You know, it's not. A, it's, it's I wouldn't classify like it as dry, syrup. but it's not like drinking syrup. No, not at all. Not in the body or in the in the taste. Right. So again, we don't we try not to add any sugars to our wine. So what you actually get is the sugaring from the grape itself. 
So it's pretty much just putting that grape in your mouth and trying to chew it and sucking out all the juice to see how it tastes. That's all we've done with the speakering system that we, you know, we've created. Okay, wow. Well, I think we have what, is there one more? There's one more, and this is the this is my fan favorite, only because it's again another native Austrian grape. Uh, it it's got a very pure, perfumey nose to it. It lasts a very long time on the palate itself. So when you take one sip. You're you're near you're set for a good couple of minutes before you know you feel inclined to take another one. All right, right. And this is this is a Zweigeld. So Zweigeld translates in English to Zwei being two, Geld being money. However, the grape itself doesn't you know it's actually named after the professor uh, Professor Zweigeld who created the blend back in the day when it first originated. When you go into wine stores or restaurants, like are you also marketing the restaurants yeah absolutely and you're bringing these because I, I will say i mean obviously riesling is, is quite common but the the zweigelt um it pretty well. huh said it pretty well uh well i've had a few it's probably that happier than you um, <laughs> <laughs> um it uh it, it's not you know i don't see it that often right. in places True. so how is it received by um by or is it something that people say oh i i'd like to carry that because not only because it's a sonar wine but it's a wine that i don't run across gruneveld leaner just coming back to that gruneveld leaner is the when you talk about an austrian white the gruner is the white version that you would generally go for zweigeld is that red version from austria that's becoming more apparent it's making more of a name for itself nowadays than it has over the past couple of years i see a smile on your face you know this tastes this tastes like tanat well, there, there you go. Okay. Tanat is a it's it's a, it's well the, I'm sure they grow some in Bordeaux, but it's you'll find it in the Mid Atlantic and okay. Virginia and, and you'll find it all over the country, but not a lot of it. It's very dark. Yep. Um, and it, it that's what this reminds me of. That's why I smiled because this reminds me of Tanat. I love Tanat. Yeah. People compare it to you know a good Spanish bottle of wine as well because there are hints of you know the Spanish versions that are very profound in this actual wine. When I go up to a store or go to a restaurant and I present it, half the time I'll get, I've never heard of this, I've never seen it. And then they become very skeptical about the taste itself or whether or not it's going to sell. Other times when I go to a place that actually sells, you know, good quality wine or where they know their stuff, they'll say, oh, it's like I've heard this, tried this. Or if they've gone to Austria, they've tried it out there just because they sell it by the barrel. Right. So. No, no, this is, this is, well, you ran into somebody who happens to love Tanat. This is delicious. That's really? awesome. Yeah, the Gruner Veltliner and the Zweigel are definitely two, again, two of our fan favorites. Uh, Zweigel more so just because it's something that people haven't really tasted before. It's something very new to the whole wine game, should I say, especially here in the U.S. market. If I were to run into a bottle of Zweigel that was not Sonar wine, mm -hmm. could you possibly, do you know what I would find different about that or what I find? I can't actually say I haven't seen one on the show besides ours. <laughs> So that's well, that's that. Buttery. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as creamy. Um, it's just difficult to describe in the red wine. Yeah. Before you mentioned that butter butterscotch, you know that buttery taste and feel to it. That's also what we've noticed in the Zweigel. What it actually creates. It creates that butterscotch taste to it. Good dessert. I mean, it can be created as a dessert wine. However, I would, I would suggest more so, good piece of steak, good burger. Right. You know, your red meats, pastas, red sauces. Yeah. A lot of times, um, well, people will use Tanat unfortunately, as a blending wine. Okay. Uh, what do they blend it with? Oh, they'll blend it with 
Petit Verdot or, or Cab Franc, or Merlot, that type of thing. It'll usually end up in some sort of Bordeaux blend. Uh, but I think it's a good standalone grape, you know, on its own. I just don't think it sells. You know, that's the thing. You know, you can bottle for the art and for the flavor, but at the end of the day, most of these guys have to sell what they're bottling. And so there are not a whole lot of people. There are some, but not an overwhelming number of people who are out buying bottles that they're not. Um, so they, they'll appreciate the taste and they'll use that taste in another blend. Yeah. A big thing that we've come in contact with, especially is, you know, importing wines from anywhere costs money, right? right. So it all adds to that price point or the dollar base, you know, how much we have to sell it to the stores. We're very small. So we've only just started distributing for the past two months. Landing 16 store in my books is pretty good, but it doesn't really give us the option to sell to people or sell to restaurants and stores at the same price that other larger companies would have that you know the option to do so so it, cre- it creates kind of a barrier for us a little bit but nothing something you know nothing that you know can't be overcome given that the quality and the taste is there you know people love it when they try it so they're more inclined to spend that extra couple bucks only because they know that when people taste it they'll be back to buy more well that's the challenge of a lot of the winemakers who i speak with you know the local excuse me the local producers here in maryland and, and uh, virginia mm. you know they can produce a quality bottle of wine but when they sell it wholesale in order to make it worth their while to sell so that somebody can sell on the other end mm. that's where they have a problem right. because you know i've seen some virginia wines every so often on on restaurant menus and usually they're like 80 bucks or something like that and it's difficult to sell an 80 buck bottle of Virginia and Maryland wine when you there's a $50 bottle of a Napa on there or something that people are more familiar with. Right. They'll, they'll say, well, I'll go with what I'm more familiar with. This is 30 bucks cheaper. And that's the problem. You know, and that's the same thing on the retail. And, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I've noticed about Handed it is all, you know, a lot of companies will generally stick to the barefoot or the yellowtail or the... The large companies that they know will, you know, sell every single day. So a lot of companies are more so just focused on, of course, the turn the turnover of the bottle. I mean, it makes sense because they have to live and they have to provide paychecks for themselves and everybody else. So to wrap up, let's uh, tell people where, how can if they're intrigued by this sonar wine, what can they do? I will put your contact information in the show notes. Uh, what can they do to get in contact with you or to maybe find your wine so they can taste it them for themselves? Sure. Um, on our website, sonarwinesamerica.com, again, there's a store locator. So we'll show you where the stores are around your general area that sell that wine. We also, on the very front page, we have our, our tasting menu. So it will explain which locations we're going to be at to have open tastings. All open tastings are generally all free. Come by, try all of our wines. There are four at the moment with two coming out at the end of February. Um, that's probably going to be the best bet for, you know, just in general to try and taste it all is to come to our open tastings. You know, follow us on Facebook just because we have a Facebook page as well that, you know, we feature and make events to it too. Our wholesaler um, who we work with at the moment, Impera Wines, they're based out of Lord in Virginia. They solely do Italian wines, but they've taken our project to, you know, as to expand their portfolio. But they also have a lot of uh, events on uh, their own pages too that feature not just their wines but also our wines at the same time. So there's we're we're trying to 
branch out as much as possible in physical locations for anybody in the area or around where we're going to be to come by and try and you know experience something different. Okay. Well, fantastic. Okay. Maximilian Bachman and Darcy, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. thank you for the taste. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> and um, well, we're going to give you a bottle to take home with you. So oh, my God. You and the wife can, uh, can enjoy it at home. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, yeah, you have a, you have a good – well. Either so. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. We know what you meant. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, and I'll talk to you later. And as episode two comes to an end, I hope you found that to be as interesting as I did. If you'd like to learn more about Sonar Wines America, just Google their name and it's the first link that comes up. You just have to make sure that you use the Austrian spelling of Sonar, which is S-O-N-O-R and not S-O-N-A-R, which is the conventional English spelling, which is the one that Aquaman and Flipper or the New York Times crosswords would use. Check them out and you'll thank me later. If you'd like to contact me about real estate in the DMV or this podcast, please email me at howard.fletcher at evusa.com. That's H-O-W-A-R-D dot F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R at evusa.com. Something you can do that would help me a whole bunch, especially if you use Apple Podcasts or iTunes to listen to this podcast, is to please rate this episode. Feel free to give me five stars. I will not mind a bit. And also, please subscribe so you can get every new episode when it's released. If you like it, please let your friends know about it and ask them to give me a listen too. I would very much appreciate it. The Real Estate, Wine, and More podcast is a production of the Fletcher Group Incorporated, made in association with Engel and Volkers, Tysons, and Lansdowne. Music for this episode was supplied by Cadillac Grip. If you're ever in the Boulder or Denver area, that's Colorado, go see Cadillac Grip play. Because if you ain't hip to the grip, you just ain't hip. The Real Estate Wine and More podcast was written, recorded, engineered, produced, and screwed up by me. I'm Howard Fletcher. I'm your friendly neighborhood real estate advisor with Engel and Volkers. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.